Hey, what's up? This is episode 052, Ferris Wheel. We are still sketching. Let's do it. One, two, three, go. Welcome to the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show where we think, learn, and explore the product mindset so you can design better products every day. And now your host, Karthik. Hey, hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Designer Thinking Podcast. And this is me, Karthik. We are in a Ferris Wheel episode and we started this conversation with our guest, Kate Rutter, back in episode 51. In episode 51, we talked to Kate about who she thinks are the most unorthodox uh, visual thinkers and designers. And also she went on to talk about people who have had the most influence on her professional self. And also she talked about some of the lesser known teachers in this whole visual thinking space. In this episode, we'll continue this conversation to understand from Kate as to how her students, uh, she takes workshops and she coaches a lot of startups and uh, and team product teams. So we'll understand how successful her students have been in being able to replicate results when it comes to visual thinking and also, we will go on to talk about a lot of different things, including a four-week plan, which she has for me, which is in turn for all of us here to um, learn visual thinking. So without much ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the show. And for those of you who are probably listening to this episode first, I'd like to quickly introduce our guest today. Our guest today is an entrepreneur, designer, and principal at Intellecto, where she creates visual explanations that make complex ideas, simple, memorable, and shareable. She pioneered the UX learning track at Tradecraft, co-founded Luxor, and was senior practitioner at UX consultancy Adaptive Path. She co-hosts the popular and not safe for work podcast, What is Wrong with UX with Laura Klein, her best frenemy. She is currently writing a book to help product thinkers sketch with confidence. So without much ado, again, let's go ahead right back into the conversation with Kate and let's figure out what we have to learn in the next 20, 20 odd minutes. All right, let's jump right in. We wonder how much of learning has gone in, in this process. So one of the things, right, I mean, I've seen, Kate, with people is, you know, we, this whole learning process is one, one is the input thing. The other is the learning completion happens when you do what you learned. And I've seen from your blog and um, a lot of those videos that you have out there that you have done them. You've done what you've learned and you've trained and coached other people in, in, in doing things that makes you a great visual thinker. So a question, uh, how, I mean, I know you've done this, but how successful have these people that you've taught and, and coached and trained been, you know, in, in being able to replicate the results um, that they came in looking out for? How successful have sure. they been? 
Well, I think I'm going to focus more on the visual thinking on that, and sure. particularly the practice of sketchnoting, because I think it's something that once people uh, try it on, and once they feel like they've got some of the basic skills to feel competent at it, they it, their work just starts to sing. Uh, so I host a, a meetup. It's called the Sketchnotes SF Meetup, mm-hmm. and it's taking a little bit of a break right now. Um, but for the previous two and a half years, I we would get together as a group. Uh, sometimes there'd be a structured talk, or a, a, it's always activity based. But there was also something called sketchnote mornings, where mm-hmm. I would—I mean, frankly, I just wanted to make more time to practice my practice, practice the craft. Like you said, if you don't do it, it becomes just talking about it, and that's no good. Right. So people would show up at this cafe, you know, between eight and ten in the morning on one day a week, and we just talk. We talk. We do our sketch notes. We compare and contrast. And I've learned so much from that community. Um, and so what's really been amazing has been seeing the people from that community and people from Tradecraft, where I taught sketchnoting as part of the, the overall curriculum there, um, and people that I've done workshops with. The, I co-taught a whiteboard warrior workshop a couple times down mm-hmm. at the D School at Stanford and, and did some work within individual corporations. You know, that's part of my business. You can hire me to come in to do that. Mm-hmm. But when I see people on that I follow on Twitter or on Medium, like using their visual note-taking ability to bring life to a story that's usually words or to bring emotion to a narrative, um, whether it's their, in their slides or in their blog posts or just in their, their Instagram or Twitter, and then they get the response, like all the favorites, all the likes, all of the comments mm-hmm. that say wow this this made sense to me and sometimes they're even com- they're contacted by um the speaker or the original author of that material and it's just this positive cycle of reinforcement mm-hmm. uh and i think that's where i think that's where the joy for me is is being able to see people's visual work be not just popular but picked up because it's helpful and meaningful and uh that's really been I think that's really been amazing. That's how I know that they're able to replicate the results because I'm learning a lot from them. I always learn a lot more from other people than you know I learn mm-hmm. from myself. That's mm-hmm. no fun. That's interesting. So, uh, how when you when you do these trainings and workshops, how I mean on an average, how how long do you do these trainings sessions for? I mean, and 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 w- maybe if, very quick glimpse of what you teach. Um, Sure. Other than the Klotzpin uh, man, that videos that I've seen, <laughs> awesome videos, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they were super fun to do. I did those with when we were at Luxor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the bare bones of a visual vocabulary. There's a lot about visual thinking that I think follows the the same pattern of grammar, right? You know, mm-hmm. and so so you can use some of the same terms. But if you have a basic visual vocabulary, you ought to be able to uh, depict human beings, so the human form in a fairly simplified way, uh, you ought to be able to depict some kind of emotion. So we have this matrix of emotions that are fun. It's kind of a system you can use for that. Mm -hmm. I teach that. Uh, They ought to have an inner life, which is often uh, emoticons or things that are happening within their thought, or Mm -hmm. an outer life, which is the environment. So you ought to be able to draw just the basics of even inside of a house um, or an office, windows, a computer, chair. Uh, and the outside, so uh, outside of a home, outside of a cityscape, a tree, a, you know, right. an ocean. Some of these very, it's it's very almost, I don't want to say childlike because they're simple, but they're not juvenile. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to be able to depict people in, experience, in situations having experiences. Mm. And then the next part of it is you want a set of abstract symbols as well. And for this, there would be things that you would pull in from metaphors. So if someone says, you know, we really want to be strategic, it might be an arrow going towards a target. If you, uh, part of the workshop that I teach is these word prompts where there's physical things that are just, I give a prompt and then people have 10 to 15 Mm -hmm. seconds to draw a picture of that thing. And it's crazy, but you think you know what like a ship's anchor looks like, but when you actually start to draw it, you realize you, you don't really know how to communicate that. So it's kind of a way of just increasing your visual vocabulary. But back to the metaphor one, there's a lot of abstract concepts that are very, can be very challenging to communicate. So again, Mm -hmm. we do this time-based, rapid-fire word prompt with words like collaboration, feedback, success, energy, um, team, the types of things that you don't necessarily know what it looks like because it's an idea, not a thing. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing about that is how people are able to really rapidly use just a a language of boxes, arrows, lines, circles, squares, energy marks, that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. curly cues, to communicate the essence of an idea and how similar they are when you do that in a team uh, or a group situation, how similar those are. And -hmm. sometimes they're really not similar, right? Like, so you'll get success and or value is a great one. And two common things I see in when the value word comes up is I'll see hearts, you know, so it's just this idea of like value system. Mm-hmm. And then I'll see money, which is like right. the value of the dollar. And so it's or success. Sometimes it's a trophy. Sometimes it's, you know, a person smiling. Sometimes it's something right. very different. And so people bring their own values and their assumptions to what they communicate in their visual language. But then we can see what those mean to them. And then they have a better recognition of what that means to them as well. Mm. So I think in a workshop, we just go through this idea of being able to draw people being able to draw things, sketch things rapidly, sketch metaphors and ideas, and then lastly, being able to use words, so very simple lettering so that it's legible, so that it has a little bit more energy, so that you can use different types of almost handwritten fonts for different types of emotional energy within the words you're capturing. Awesome. Sounds interesting. I'd love to jump on it right away if given a chance. You should come (laughs) to the area. Yeah, come to the area. We'll have a big sketch note made up for you. Definitely. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, talking about, uh, you know, your work that you do, you, you said you work with a lot of startups. So, you know, I've seen that every startup that spends a lot of time, you know, designing products and I I see them spending a lot of time doing, um, you know, trying to design these products and experiences, but in your mind, what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen, you know, these product makers and startups, so to speak, make in in pursuit of, you know, visual design or visual thinking finessy or design finessy, so either which ways. And um, and if I had to ask you, what is a total waste of time uh, in what you've seen them do today? What would they be? <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest mistakes are you focus on the solution too fast. I mean, you do the part of the whole lean startup philosophy and and practice is that, you know, you you think and then you make these you make things and then you test and validate those and then you get the feedback and then you adjust. But you, you know, build, measure, learn kind of continuum. 
But what I really see is that that people are really into the build, and then measure and learn don't get the same kind of playtime. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you envision like on like a, a triangle. Okay. Three different circles, an equidistant triangle. You have to kind of draw it in your head since we're on a podcast, but I can draw a picture audio, you know, with words. So three different circles at the end of a triangle, and there's three different components to every product. It's the people, so who's it for, and then the problem, like what are you solving for, and then the product or the solution. And so many people come into entrepreneurship because they have an idea for a solution, but they haven't fully articulated the people or the problem yet. Hmm. And so that actually, that three, that triangle thing is a, it's a method that I use for every entrepreneur, every founder that I talk to. I have to have all three of those filled out. And if you can't tell me about all three of those, then, oh my God, don't waste any time showing me a demo because I am not going to care. Like, how can I rate, how can I even, I wouldn't rate the demo, but how can I even assess whether or not a product is interesting, helpful, whatever. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing you can say about an interface until you know the problem and the people that it's intended for. So I think the biggest waste of time is building too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next biggest waste of time is scaling too fast. You can always build less and validate it and get it in the hands of people. It might be a little embarrassing. It mm-hmm. might not be what you envision, but it's got to evolve and mature with people's actual behavior. Because you really don't want to overbuild something that is not going to fit with the needs or the adoption for your customer base. And I think that's where Lean Startup mm-hmm. has really shifted the the mindset, especially for early venture and, and early investors. That are they they have to know it's going to work. Right. The big investors, like that's not, they, just, they don't care if it works. They just want to know if it works, how big it's going to get. Mm-hmm. But for the ones that really care if it's going to work, I think, we all, and I've done this too, we all tend to overbuild and we just shouldn't. Awesome. And, uh, and let, let, let me ask the right opposite question. And, you know, how, how have you seen the best of the teams uh, approach um, this whole uh, design? I, I, I just don't want to limit myself to design, but then, mm-hmm. you know, approach building products. And um, yeah, other than other than, of course, the opposite of what you said for uh, for mistakes. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it's I think that that real investment in customer development, not just for the founders, but for everybody mm. on the team. Uh, that's something I'd like to see. And I'd like to be to see I think the best output for doing customer development is not a bunch of transcripts or not a bunch of audio recordings of interviews, but instead visual depictions, sometimes even like a storyboard or a portrait of the customer um, that that brings the life of the, and the, the interview or the qualitative information you've captured mm-hmm. to life in a way that feels human. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's the, that's the antidote to, overbuilding your solution too quickly is understanding and clearly visually communicating that essence of the customer and the problem, the people and the problem. And that's why I think you might have, there's another little video that we made at Luxor, uh, which interestingly enough made with Tristan Cromer about the value of this molecule. That's what we call this three-part system. And you know, it uses very simple visual language and some audio to describe this practice of why you always want to write down the the pro- people, the problem, and the and the product, the solution, pretty much every week. Because mm-hmm. over time, if you're lucky, your early stage product will shift, 
and adapt and mold itself to the needs of the customers instead of molding itself to the vision you thought you had when you first started. Awesome. And, uh, and, and we talked about all of this so far about uh, your, you know, what you've learned, what, who influenced you and everything else. But what, I mean, what are your favorite resources? Uh, it could be books, podcasts, you know, and a lot more things, you know, on visual thinking and product design, Kate. And um, if my listeners had to teach themselves uh, to, to design or to think visually and design awesome products, what you suggest they do. And this applies to me as well. I'm learning here. <laughs> sure. I think if you're going to start with one good book on visual practice, which I love because it's also a great book on business practice, is The Back of the Napkin by Dan Rohn. Mm-hmm. Uh, just start there. Uh, after that, if you want to become a, a skilled visual practitioner, I'd go with The Sketchnote Handbook by Mike Bovey. Um if you want the the cliff notes or the short version, there's this marvelous little book independently published by Christina Woodkey called Working with Pictures. And after that, like if you really want to deep dive into different ways to activate visuals to clarify your thinking to help build great stuff, mm-hmm. there's a book called Sketching User Experiences. And and there's a version of it that's just the book, but then there's a version of it called the workbook. And the original book is by Bill Baxton, but the workbook is by four authors, Saul Greenberg, Sheila Carpendale, Nikolai Mercadet, I think is how that's pronounced, and mm-hmm. Bill Buxton. But that is a terrific book. It doesn't go so much into, it's much more product focused as a visual practice. Mm-hmm. It goes less into kind of the abstract and the customer idea, and it goes more into how do you accurately and clearly depict potential interfaces and their their benefit or their interaction with human behavior. And that is like a book everybody should have on their bookshelf. Awesome. I'm going to pick that one up for sure. So, and-, <laughs> and then honestly, you need the trifecta of awesome for lean, which is lean startup, lean analytics, and my new favorite, again, full, uh, full uh, disclosure, build better uh, products. by recline. I oh, really yeah. think that's a terrific that blends UX with a lot of the lean thinking. Nice. Nice. So, uh, in fact, that book is um, not out in uh, uh, India, so I had to, you know, use my Amazon US account to <laughs> buy that book. So, uh, yeah, so it's slowly getting to the rest of the world. So, <clears throat> uh, you've—I know you've—you're actually working on a book yourself. But then, in the meantime, before we, before the book is out, if you had to coach me, uh, Kate, for four weeks and help me launch a successful product um, and let me even take a step back help me learn with visual thinking and you had a million dollars in line what would the coaching look like i love this question i just gotta say i think this is a fabulous question let's let's think uh, i'm doing the next spacex and (laughs) (laughs) you have all the money what would the coaching look like Sure. Well, first of all, is I, I wouldn't want the million dollars because until we'd worked together for one day and seen if it was a good fit and that you were going to actually get somewhere and you felt you were going to get somewhere, it, like all the rest is bullshit. So <laughs> I'm not going to try and, you know, seduce you into the million bucks. I will say right. at the end of our first day, um, as a result of us working together, you would walk out the door with basically everything on that molecule hmm. described out visually. So, 
this is this is the idea I have, the vision of the company I want, or what I'm trying to make. And then, and that's just enough to give you enough enough of a platform, I guess, to know kind of what your wheelhouse is, what the edges are of that idea are going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to have a real clear picture of who you think your customer is at the end of day one, and a pretty good picture of what you think their problems are, and then a pretty good picture of what you believe the solution could be. And on day two, we would go out and find people to talk to. Mm-hmm. And you would listen to them. Day three, we would revise that vision. And you would start um, getting more detailed into, okay, now on the product, what would let me sketch out what would be necessary to satisfy the needs of these people we talked to. And that's probably take a couple days. So I think at the beginning of week two, uh, we'd go out with a paper prototype from those sketches, and you'll hear, you know, varying opinions as whether or not a sketch of a of an interface is helpful at all to talk to people. But I found good results with that, at least for can they understand what's going on? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, we'd take another day and learn what worked and what didn't work, and make some adaptations. Probably take it out to the market again Mm -hmm. uh and then after that you could make a landing page and start to actually describe what problem you're solving and start to build an audience so i think that would take us through like the first two weeks and at that point if you don't have anyone signing up for that product even you know with some some paid ads and some trying Mm -hmm. to get some market going um then i think we need to start over but that's what it would look like and for each of those i'd go with you and i'd talk i'd help you find the right kind of customers to interact with and to intercept and, and what kind of questions to ask and mostly how to listen and how to synthesize those results. But all of our outputs would be done in two different formats. One early on would be pictures mm-hmm. on paper with usually with a Sharpie and then moving pretty quickly after that to directly to code. You know, none of this mm-hmm. wireframe stuff. Like we <laughs> just need to start sketching and code at that point. Uh, and I think that that would be the first couple weeks. After that, it's all about iteration. We'd have to design what would be the most appropriate way to measure um, interactions or measure adoption. And then it would be putting out those prototypes. So I think by eight weeks, as long as that those critical adoption, you know, ad- understanding mm-hmm. and adoption, once those thresholds are proven and crossed, then I think we could keep going. Awesome. It's been a lovely chat. I mean, uh, we we went through seven questions. Uh, and I think these, what you've told is is a lot to consume over a, a week. So, um, you know, Kate, what advice do you have for my listeners uh, who are listening to this episode right now before we kind of drew the curtain down? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say make pictures of your ideas. They don't have to be pretty. They don't have to be fancy. Awesome. But make pictures of people, product, and ideas before you build anything. Beautiful. The molecule. And uh, <laughs> where, where can people find you, Kate, uh, after they finish listening to this episode? Sure. Well, if you're, if you're okay with swearing and, um, and drinking on set, then you can listen to the podcast. Laura Klein and I co-host a podcast called What is Wrong with UX. Uh, it comes out every other week, and you can find that on iTunes. And you can also find me on Twitter at, at Kate Rutter, K-A-T-E-R-U-T-T-E-R. And you can find me on my blog slash home site, which occasionally gets updated depending on on what, you know, what time I have to do it. And that is at Intelletto, I-N is 
T-E-L-L-E-T-O.com. And you can find those videos of star people and clothespin man up there. That's awesome. I'll, I'll have all, all those links and the books and other lot of things that you shared during the uh, course of the last 40 minutes in the show notes. And thank you so much, Kate. It's been a wonderful chat. Thanks so much for taking time to be with us. Well, this is fabulous. I love your questions. And now I have to think about them more. It's been great to be here. All right. That was an awesome conversation that I had with Kate Rata. And this conversation just went by like it was 20 or 25 minutes. When I looked at the clock, it was 47 minutes. That was incredible. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And more importantly, I really hope you found something very useful. If you missed the first part of the conversation, do check out episode 51. And I'm sure you're going to find some nuggets out there as well. So this conversation was an eye-opener because the topic visual thinking was close to my heart for a long time. In fact, for a long time, I didn't, didn't even know that this was called visual thinking or sketch noting. After this conversation, I picked up the book, The Back of the Napkin by Dan Rome, and I've been going through it uh, over the last few days. And I really, really find that very helpful and useful. In fact, I also have been uh, spending a lot of time over looking at videos on sketchnoting because all along, I, I, I kind of some, somehow believe that all these videos were made out of software tools because there, were, there, there are a lot of whiteboarding uh, software tools out there. And I did not know that you could actually do that physically you know, on a piece of paper. So, so I hope you really listen to what Kate had to share very closely and do check out some of the uh, people that she talked about in the show and look at their work and try your hand at sketchnoting or visual thinking. And ever since I did this interview, I've been trying out a lot of different things uh, on a piece of paper. In fact, I picked up an art book and I've been trying sketchnoting. The exercises that uh, Dan Rome has in his book are pretty interesting. And uh, yeah, if you've checked out episode 44 and episode 47, the images in those episodes were my work. I'm proud of them. They, they look a little, you know, the amateurish, the beginner types. But then I think, well, if you don't try, you'll never get good at it. So that's my uh, way of learning. So I urge you to go try out your skills with sketchnoting. Pick up one or two books that Kate had to suggest and go ahead, try it out. All right, that's all I have for today. In fact, you can check out the show notes at designyourthinking.com slash episode 052. I'll have the links to Kate's podcast, her Twitter handle, and her blog, and the links to some of the books that she talked about in the show notes. And if you like listening to the show, please head over to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. And if you'd like to listen more of this without having to go to the website, you can also subscribe to the podcast. To do this, head over to designyourthinking.com slash iTunes and it will take you right to iTunes. And of course, if you're listening to this podcast from an Android phone, go download the Stitcher app, and uh, you can head over to designyourthinking.com slash Stitcher. And yes, if you'd like to have more product conversations with me, do jump onto my newsletter. I don't really send out a newsletter, but then I send out an email once in every... I try to do it every two weeks, but I really you know, can't keep up the schedule. So try to get on my newsletter... You can do that by heading over to designyourthinking.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom of the page. You'll find a button there. Hit that button and then you'll be asked to give your first name and your email address. Do that and I'll see you in, see you in your inbox. Of course, the first mail is an automated email. It's not a bot, but it's automated. And I use ConvertKit to do that. So nothing shady out there. Just respond to that email if you want to have a one-on-one conversation with me. 
I'll be happy to do that. All right. That's all I have for today. Again, I hope you enjoy this conversation and please, please do something with it. Till I see you in the next episode, stay tuned, stay inspired. Love you all. Keep pushing the limits. Thanks for listening to the Design Your Thinking podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter at www.designyourthinking.com.